This is episode number 389 with aspiring data scientist, Josh Hortaleza. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today, and now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super pumped for you to check out this episode. This is going to be epic. The level of energy that Josh brought today is incredible. We just finished our call. I'm still super pumped, super energized. This is going to be one of the top episodes on this podcast. Josh is an aspiring data scientist. He has a fantastic approach to his career. So this podcast is going to be especially valuable to you if you are breaking into the field of data science. Whether you are a student who just finished your degree and you're looking to get a job in data science and build a career, or you're coming from, you're transitioning from another um, area from another industry, from another career into data science, you're going to find this extremely valuable. So the things we talked about are um, how to look at internships in data science, the way Josh looks at them and how he uses them and how he's already done, like he's on his fifth internship right now and they all last four months. You'll find out exactly why this is by design in this podcast. Uh, also, we talked about applications of... Um, different areas of data science uh, in different industries, for instance, NLP in banking, CNNs, convolutional neural networks in insurance, um, and perhaps a few other examples. But mostly it was, it was about the career, how he structures his journey, how he chooses the companies he uh, wants to work with and where to get these internships, what role luck plays in his uh, journey and how he minimizes luck or actually in reality how he maximizes his luck how he uses networking. We talked a lot about networking, so you'll get some very valuable tips about how to be, how to genuinely network with people, how to be genuinely interested in what they do. So you'll find some great advice in this episode. And as we know, networking is one of the key components to building out your career. And uh, finally, we'll talk about, Josh will give us some, some of his views on grit and how important it is in your data science journey. Very exciting podcast. Get ready to be energized and pumped. Here we go. Without further ado, Josh Hortaleza, aspiring data scientist. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super pumped to have you back here on the show. And today we've got a special guest, Josh Hortaleza, calling in from Toronto. Josh, how's the weather in Toronto today? It is uh, pretty bleak. It's generally very, uh, it's, it's overcast right now. So I'm very happy to appear on this uh, podcast to distract me from this inclement weather. So very happy about <laughs> uh, that. Do you get that crazy heat that's going through the world right now since it's summer in Toronto? Oh yeah, like uh, Toronto is so variable when it comes to its weather. Like, like in the winters, it'll be like negative 30 Celsius. And in the summers, it'll be like positive 30 Celsius. So it's it's quite it's quite a... Uh, a drag to kind of deal with it. But like, luckily I, I work in technology, so uh, uh, I'm inside most of the day. So I'm very happy okay. about that. 
<laughs> gotcha, gotcha. How long have you been in Toronto for? Uh, my whole life. I, I was born and raised in Toronto, and uh, mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't really left. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, I hope to do that soon. But you know, yeah. with the uh, with the pandemic, it's not like those dreams can come to fruition anytime soon. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, your background is from the Philippines, and uh, you you're planning on going back, checking it out. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was ra- born and raised in Canada, but like I feel an obligation to kind of see where my parents have come from. It's been a, yeah. like like the culture in of the Philippines, even though I don't culturally identify with it, is something yeah. that was a big formative experience for my parents having been born there. So I, I think I owe it to my parents to visit where they where they grew up. Gotcha. I think uh, from what I've heard and seen, Canada is uh, is quite a diverse, inclusive culture, similar to Australia, where you have people from all sorts of backgrounds living, coexisting, and thriving together. Is that your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Toronto is a very multicultural city. It's uh, uh, it's a very big economy as well, and uh, uh, it, it's very it's very nice to see this uh, this like cultural mosaic of people who live in the who live in the city and. Uh, a big advantage of that is the food that you get to eat in Toronto. It is <laughs> What's your favorite food? What's your favorite food? My favorite non-Filipino and non-Canadian food is probably like like uh, chicken tikka masala or something. Like, oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Indian food. It's really good. Uh, like granted, like it'll never be good as uh, you know wh- wherever like that that comes from, like India probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah. it, it's good enough for uh, for someone from the outside looking in. So I'm very happy about that. But yeah, it's a very diverse city. Very multicultural, and uh, uh, it's very receptive to people who uh, who kind of venture into that area. So I'm very happy to to uh, to call Toronto my home in that sense. That's awesome, man. We were talking with speaking with my girlfriend literally yesterday about um, national foods, and she's from the UK, and she like we were like debating who's you know which national foods come from where, and she was listing things from the UK like uh, fish and chips, uh, shepherd's pie um roast uh yeah i think it's a roast meal and then and then she's like curry I'm like curry is not from the uk but it's so popular here that you might as well think that it's from here yeah i, I uh i uh like from the outside looking in like you know that's uh, i was surprised to see that like butter chicken was so popular in the uk uh mm. I, I guess that's a testament to like your uh like your uh population you know i guess you're like your ever-growing population right so as as the world gets more diverse, then like our our cultures get intermingled, and that and that's very nice. Absolutely, that's very cool. Absolutely. And what's a what's a national dish of Canada? Uh, it is poutine. Poutine. Uh, poutine is like if you know what if if you were to like look at poutine and like take all of its constituent parts and just look at them individually, you would say, "What is this? What is the bottom? <laughs> like 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 what what is this in front of me right here? Like gravy, <laughs> cheese, curds." Uh, maybe like if you're super Canadian, they'll add like maple syrup to it. I don't, oh, go. <laughs> but you can like add these things to it. But like it, it's parts are, are, uh, maple syrup uh, and no, 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 it's gravy, um, cheese curds and fries. And if you look at those, like, what, what is this? But like, if you look at it together and you eat it, then it's, it's phenomenal. I love poutine. I am obsessed with poutine. I just, it's so good. I love, uh, it's, that's a, it's delicious. Delicious, it is, absolutely. It is phenomenal. It is amazing. Yeah, like uh, I, it's like, especially like, like if you after a night out, after some, you know, drinks and uh, like a at a club or music or a bar, and you're walking back, and you know, like every, I guess there's all these uh, foods that uh, uh, like uh, are bad for you, but uh, like full of fat and stuff like that. 
But if you have this dish, oh, it's just so satisfying. You know what? Like, I'll I'll satisfy like a, a day of cravings to feed my poutine addiction. You know, like it's <laughs> it's uh, definitely something that I will work. I will risk uh, risk taking uh, to uh, damage my diet in order to to partake in. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, exactly as you describe it. It's a good comfort food. It's good after a night out, and uh, you can't go wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Josh, great to have you here. Um, we met in the most random of, like, in the literal sense, random way. Uh, just maybe I can describe the experience, but I'd love to hear it from you. Tell, like, if you can recap, how did that happen? So uh, it all starts with my buddy uh, talking to me about, hey, there's this uh, online uh, type of conference called Data Science Go, and uh, you know, you're into data science, so you should come along with me. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure, and I did. And uh, the conference was like, fantastic. And uh, we, we, we met through the, uh, the booths, not the booth, uh, the networking session. This is the you, virtual, yeah. right? Data Science Go virtual. That's right. Sorry, Data Science Go virtual. That's right. And uh, uh, there were these three-minute breakout sessions where uh, the, whatever provider did the service that you hosted it on uh, would match you with someone. And uh, lo and behold, uh, I was matched with you. And, mm-hmm. I, and that was after I was like, religiously going on this thing and trying to meet as many people as possible. And uh, one of the people who I met was you. And uh, we talked for the three minutes of time that we were allowed to talk for about, uh, and you and you asked me, you asked uh, more about my experience as opposed to me asking about your experience. So mm. uh, happy to, you know, come on the podcast to, <laughs> to, to get, get a bit of alert, learn a bit about you. That's awesome. That's stuff. awesome. So, yeah. yeah, man, it was, it was a random thing. And um, so, for those who like who weren't at Data Science Go Virtual, it's like a lightning round of networking because virtual conferences usually lack that aspect. At Data Science, at Data Science Go Virtual, we wanted to make sure we have that. And so it's a lightning round where you click this button, meet the next person, and for three minutes, you have like a video chat with a random person from the audience, and then boom, time up, you meet the next person. That goes on for like 30 minutes several times throughout the event. So tell us who else did you meet in these lightning rounds? Uh, I met some very cool people. I met people from like the UCLA Anderson School of Business. Uh, I met people from uh, uh, like from uh, I met someone who worked I think at NASA or something. That was wow. really cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think I met her as well. Yeah, yeah, that was like that was nuts. And she's not she's not there anymore. But like she was working somewhere works somewhere else. Now, but that was pretty cool. Uh, I met uh, uh, someone who worked for like National Grid, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, I met a uh, multiple people. And I actually like uh, met with them after the actual. Uh, conference, like I actually had uh, hours long conversations with all people who, I met, who people who wow. agreed to to uh, meet with me after. Go, Josh! That is epic. That th- speaking of like dedication and and follow through, that's awesome, man. Yeah, and uh, uh, because the conference was international, I got to get a lot of perspectives from the American space and perspectives from places really outside of my scope, which is the Canadian scope or the Ontario mm-hmm. scope. So. Uh, very so very fortunate to, uh, that that people were able to like lend me their uh, lend me their ear and uh, talk to them about their passions I guess right so I was very happy and, and benefited very much from uh, doing the uh, lightning rounds. Fantastic man, fantastic. Hope you're enjoying this amazing episode. We're gonna break for a quick announcement. And it'll be straight back to it. This episode is brought to you by our very own virtual data science conference called Data Science Go. If you haven't been to Data Science Go yet, if 
you haven't heard of Data Science Go, check it out at datasciencego.com slash virtual. There you'll see a recap of the incredible event we had in June this year. We're hosting Data Science Go virtual number two in October. Make sure to be there. We're going to have amazing speakers, amazing energy, and we're going to have virtual networking. Three-minute sessions to connect with your peers, with mentors, with hiring managers, with mentees, with whoever is at the conference. Random lightning networking, three minutes each. You can stay in touch with these people. Expand your data science network. Be there. It's in October. It's absolutely free. The best part, it's absolutely free. Just go to datasciencego.com slash virtual. Register for the event today. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Well, absolutely cool. So we met and now we're here. And the reason why I invited you is when we were talking just for those three minutes, I could feel like so much, uh, I don't know, like like that you're super smart and you are determined to go where you're going and you're very curious, right? So like putting all those three things together, I thought I got to talk to you. And yeah, we've got quite a few things to cover. So before we get started, Give us a bit of background. Who are you and what, uh, what is your life stage right now? Awesome. So uh, my name is Josh Hortaleza. I am 22 years old. I'm from Toronto, Ontario. Uh, I am a third-year student, uh, in middle of third-year student at, uh, studying computer science at a school called Wilfrid Laurier University. Go Golden Hawks. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I kind of stumbled, as to like data science, I kind of stumbled across data science, I, I describe it as I tripped over it one day and I discovered mm. it. And before that, I actually wanted to get into equity research. So that's like, you know, hedge funds and uh, investments and like that. And I, I was actually quite good at uh, delivering, like, uh, like, you know, investing and, and pitching stocks. I actually won contests in, in, in that area. And uh, I intended to go into the, uh, the equity research space. Uh, and, uh, and the thing is, even though, and even though I studied computer science, I, I wanted to do this business thing so bad. But one day I went to kind of like a workshop hosted uh, at the nearby university close to me. And mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of like introduced to this field of data science. And uh, I was like, wow, okay, this is really, really cool. I think this is very fascinating. And before, you know, ever venturing into this space, I only heard of data science from like, oh, like this is an area that only PhDs go into. This is where like, you know, the... Uh, the Google algorithms, you know, come into play and whatnot. So it's like, okay, maybe this thing, I, maybe I couldn't do this. So uh, I, I went to this uh, workshop, I did the project, and then suddenly I got a job as a data scientist intern at a company called CIBC, and that's in uh, that uh, and that that's that's a bank in in Canada. What do you mean suddenly? How do you suddenly get a job? Do you like wake up and you have a job? Yeah, you know, no, no, it was like it was like wow, this here it is. But no, I. Uh, uh, I, I was definitely like having a hard time looking for a job uh, back when I didn't have a lot of experience. And when you're a student, you kind of have to like get the ball rolling in some place. And this is especially hard when mm -hmm. you are when you are trying to pursue two areas at once. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, like once I uh, so I discovered the uh, data science as a uh, data science uh, as a whole in around uh, February of 2019, and then mm -hmm. I got my first job in data science. Uh, on on May 2019, so it was That's very fast. It was fast. very yeah, it was very fast. I uh, uh, well, first of all, I I widened my net. I was willing to work anywhere, right? So I would I would work in Toronto. I would work in the areas around Toronto. I would work in across the province, and I ended up uh, 
uh, working in a place called Waterloo, which is where my school is. So that was fine. Uh, and I, I, I decided to like experiment, like broaden out my options as much as possible. So I applied to data science jobs in any context. So that's in like insurance, that's in capital markets, that's in, uh, in e-commerce, that's in, uh, in healthcare, healthcare data science. So I really expanded my options and I was, uh, uh, by, by, by peer reviewed virtue of numbers, I just was, I just was bound to get one, I guess. I'm not bound to get one because it doesn't like, come with <laughs> that, but I, I consider myself very fortunate and lucky. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, to get the, the job that I have, but like ever since then, it just like kept rolling. I, I found this job through applying on a on a niche, uh, on a niche job board. Uh, so like that's and that's kind of how you get the ball rolling in, in that space. Like, yeah, what's yeah, a yeah. niche job board? Uh, it's so it's it's exclusive to to uh, the Waterloo area. It's called okay. uh, work. Yeah, it's called Work and Tech, and that's mm-hmm. uh, that's run by one of the uh, uh, incubators in the area. So they're like a startup mm-hmm. incubator. So uh, that's that's kind of like it's unfortunate that not everyone can go on it, but uh, because it's it's Waterloo exclusive, but yeah, that's where I found it. Mm-hmm. Very niche. Okay, but people would have local ones in their cities, similar something similar. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so you got this job. I can see from LinkedIn you stayed there for four months. What happened next? Uh, in terms of like like what happened at the job or uh, where I went to work next? Whatever, whatever is is worth <laughs> worth talking about. Yeah, so uh, I think both of them we're talking about. At CIBC, I worked a lot on NLP tasks. So mm-hmm. uh, the retail banking space uh, has a lot of data and, it's, mm-hmm. and it has a lot of text data. Why? Because a lot of the value add or the, the business driver of banking is in the retail banking space. So that's mm-hmm. within the, uh, and particularly what I worked on was call center feedback. So mm-hmm. what essentially that is, is like, okay, well, uh, there, there are call centers, like people who, Sell sell cards or like provide customer support, and then they are given a res. They're, not, they're given a survey, and they're asked for their feedback. And then we take that survey data, that feedback data, and then we perform like NLP stuff on it. So in, in my case, it was sentiment analysis. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, my my end deliverable was kind of a dashboard that displayed like went through like these thousands of feedbacks and kind of put them in buckets from like uh, bad experience, neutral experience, and good experience. And that was kind of my, and we used Google uh, like dashboard for that or something. We used a dashboard service for that. And uh, yeah, Google Cloud Platform, yeah, GCP. So uh, once we had this deliverable, then we presented our findings to, to management and we tried to help them intelligently improve their feedback from that. Okay, tell, tell me two questions. One is uh, what uh, techniques did you use for the NLP? So. Uh, to be to be quite honest with you, it, it was uh, it was a very uh, like, like we used a lot of like APIs. So we used Spacey and we used the mm-hmm. uh, SK Learn for mm-hmm. uh, second. Yeah, so like we we used these things and then we just like invoked all oh, like the sediment command and we just uh, there you go. We applied it to all. The- so plug and play, right? And yeah, it's, it's not a surprise, man. Like you you started into data science in February. Like nobody's expecting you to be a NLP wizard by May. You know, it's three months. So mostly, mostly like uh, products, right? You were using to um, get the insights. Exactly. And but the thing is, people who work with me like had like graduate degrees, like and whatnot. So like we were all working on the same thing. So mm-hmm. I, I think it was a matter of uh, what the bank needs at the time, mm-hmm. and a bank doesn't necessarily need the the latest and greatest you know model like that's coming out of like academia, right? They can just like use some rudimentary thing to provide some value in that way. 
So yeah. uh, uh, that's kind of like, uh, even though I was, I, I was very happy with the experience of working there, uh, but uh, uh, it wasn't like, you know, rigorous to me, I guess, uh, yep. to, for like lack of a better word. Uh, but uh, the next internship was at Intact Insurance and that's in, uh, in Toronto. And that was my, and the job was also called data science. I was a data science intern there. And the reason why Sorry, I want- before, before we jump to that one, the second question I wanted to ask you at CIBC, what, uh, if you can share, of course, I, I don't want to like uh, overstep into any confidentiality parts, but what kind of insights were you driving with these dashboards to the executives? Uh, hmm, let me, let me think about it. Yeah, so uh, essentially like uh, the insight that we're trying to drive is like, okay, like this is what your- Customers are experiencing, mm -hmm. and uh, and we, uh, there's like a business team that will take this data and uh, try to interpret stuff from it and interpret insight from that, and then we would work with them to do that. You know, because like we are the translators of data, right? Like we we try to bridge the gap between the technical and the business, right? So we okay. we, we try to help them do this, and I guess like I can't really delve in on the actual. No, no, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But but, yeah, but like. like yeah, but but like uh, we, it was a very cross-functional process, right? So we worked with a lot with a lot of stakeholders. We worked with a lot of like like with people like that, and we presented this thing. But yeah, that's kind of like how that was. Okay, no worries. Let's move on. Second internship. Yes. So second internship was at a place called Intact Insurance, and uh, this was surprisingly, like probably like um that was just a fantastic internship. I love this. I love this job. I love people who I work with. <laughs> Uh, I can I, feel it in your voice. How excited I, you are. I gush about Intact all the time. And uh, the reason why I value it as a fantastic internship is because, number one, uh, I got to work with incredibly uh, high, uh, incredibly like, you know, a very uh, cutting edge like models. So uh, to give a bit of context on that, I work with CNNs in uh -huh. a image processing use case. So convolutional uh, neural networks, right? Yes, that's right. Convolutional neural networks. Yeah. So uh, I, I did a lot of image processing stuff. So uh, to elaborate, uh, in the insurance space, there are a ton of forms that you need to fill when you submit a claim. So mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, and how it's done in the past is it's done manually. Like, you would classify all these documents manually, and then you would uh, uh, you would like send each each uh, each paper or form to its appropriate division that handles that document, right? Uh, mm -hmm. This uh, this can be automated, and this can be automated with a model, right? And the model mm -hmm. that being a CNN model, and then you can take you can use the model to uh, do what the manual uh, classification like takes, and you can do it much faster. So uh, uh, it was a very cool internship because I use uh, I use CNNs uh, to do this image processing, and I got to like read some very interesting papers. Like an sorry, sorry. L let's let's recap. So. I just so I understand better. So if somebody fills in this form, like a like a it's a form they fill in by hand, and then they send it in, and you have like you take a scan of the form, and then you need to get information out of it. Is that is that right? Uh, so it's it's more of like you have to identify what the form actually is, and then put oh, it in okay. the appropriate bucket. So an example. Oh, okay. so, so I guess like the forms that exist are like are legal forms, police forms, subrogation forms, photos mm -hmm. of the damaged site, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, okay. Uh, uh, and, and, and they're all like scanned in, and you just need to find the title of the form using CNNs. Uh, not like, the title isn't necessarily there. Ah, uh, uh, okay. So, so it's uh, it's interesting in that respect because the thing is like you can have a form that looks like a standard form you need to fill out, and then you can have a picture, right? Uh -huh. But the picture uh -huh. 
and uh, a form could be classified in the same bucket, right? Uh-huh. Because they pertain to the same thing, right? Uh-huh. So uh, it, it was very interesting to kind of like delve into the actual raw data to see, okay, where is the CNN failing? What can I do to kind of like uh, make the process like better for how can I improve the model in some way? So uh, th- yeah, that's kind of like why I do there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Good. And so what did you enjoy the most about uh, this? Uh- so uh, I mentioned two things. Like, uh, so the, the the first part was that I got to work with a very uh, important, uh, not important, but like very like like cool technology. Uh, and in that, in, in doing that, I actually went to a lot of conferences. So in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, Toronto is the home of Geoffrey Hinton. And, yeah, and uh, the Godfather of AI. Yes, the Godfather of AI. And Intact paid for me to go to a conference that was comm- that was commemorating his uh, his Turing Award. So I got to, amazing. So you I got, got to see him speak. I got to see him speak, and I, I got to see. No way! Yeah, Man, that's awesome. It was really cool, and uh, people who were there were like Ilya Sitzkever, who is the who who's the uh, Open AI guy, the guy who does Open AI. So he, okay, I haven't heard of him, but that, that's also I know about Open AI. Yeah, yeah. So he's the the chief scientist at Open AI, and uh-huh. uh, and he was the guy who like you know uh, beat the uh, the the Dota teams with his uh, uh, with his neural network over there. And that was amazing to meet that guy. And, but but Joffrey Kinton, uh, like what, listening to him talk and go through the history of a neural network was fantastic. Yeah. And like uh, it was really interesting to see like what a uh, a venerated figure kind of looks like in this field, right? Because this this field is very young, right? This is a very yeah, young yeah. space. But he's been working on it for a long time. Since right? like nineteen eighties, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even before that, like like there's like uh, even before that, like there, there was like you know the perceptron. Or something, right? Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. like back to back at that time. So, like, to watch him talk about like the adoption of AI, its adoption of neural networks right now, as opposed, even though he's been doing all this work, him and Yasha Bengio and and all those those Yan Lecun, yeah, Yan Lecun, these pioneers, you know, Aaron Kurville, whatever, like, like all these people who uh, uh, who work on this thing, uh, even though they've been working for a long time, it's only now reaching like global adoption, and that was like I think after. I think the, the revolutionary thing was called AlexNet, and yeah, uh, it, yeah. it was in the uh, it was in the ImageNet contest where they're like, "Wow, this thing like beats all these other things." So we'll we'll adopt this thing. So uh, the and an insight of uh, uh, I think an important story that he brought up was uh, this, this notion of a uh, of a uh, of a uh, continental drift or something. Mm-hmm. And people people at the time of of uh, the theory being brought about. They were like, "Hey, uh, this, this this isn't true. We're gonna mock you for this, and mm-hmm. this and this continental drift thing. Like, are you crazy? Like, how how can continents move?" And then uh, eventually, but now we know that continental drift, you know, like the moving of uh, of these co- of, the, of these ma- large land masses, is an actual thing. Uh, but at the time of uh, the, at the time of uh, uh, of Jeff Hinton's like uh, early career, the neural network didn't really get adopted, right? Like people like mm-hmm. were laugh were laughing this thing out out, out of uh, the conference rooms and laughing this thing out of uh out of these uh these journals but now it's like it's like widespread like it's accepted that this works so uh he's kind of like demonstrating so like listening to him talk about the history of the uh of the neural network was fantastic so that's uh uh that's that and then i guess the second thing that i learned from intact was how to be a good worker and mm-hmm. how to be a value add to a company they had three one-on-ones with me every single week. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about myself as a worker and uh, as an employee. 
and especially like where I like where I fit in a company and what value add data can bring. So I was really adamant in trying to figure out, okay, how do I be a good data scientist? And what does that mean? What does it mean to be a good data scientist in a company context? And I learned that there. So uh, amazing. Go was, intact. Love yeah, that it. was fantastic. I really like cannot sing the praises of intact enough. I, uh, uh, I love, I love working there. Uh, but like, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's like the, the, the thing about intact was, uh, it was a four, a four month thing. So, yeah. uh, you know, like lo and behold, I had to leave, but it is what it is. Right. And then where, yeah. I'm, where I'm working now is, uh, is a, uh, a, is a startup called, uh, it's a startup called cognitive systems corporation. And, uh-huh. uh, this is like, like what they do is really cool. They do like Wi-Fi motion technology. So they use Wi-Fi to detect motion. And I, wow. and I can't really like get into the work I'm doing there. Cause it's like a start. It's like a, you know, it's like, it's really like research. Yeah. Yeah. Trade uh, secret. Yeah, it is. But like, it is like, like seeing how like a startup kind of like grows from the ground up, you, like, you realize, okay, like it's a whole different ball game working at a startup as opposed to working at a big company. And, yeah. uh, uh, like, and this this company that I'm working at is like really on their game, and like I see their office, and there's like there's like tons of computers lying around, like tons of like like work like, like physical like wrenches and like pliers and stuff, because like they're trying to like mm. work, uh, they're really trying their best to like uh, work on whatever works, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, like at, at these big companies, they have a really formalized process, but at these mm-hmm. startups, they're like, okay, if it works, it works, and then. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Not to say that that's an inintelligent process. That's a very smart way to kind of go about utilizing intelligent people. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm having a great time working there right now. So that's kind of my career background. Man, incredible. At 22 years old, you've had the experience of big corporations like banking, and you've had experience at startups. Dude, like you're going to go places for sure. Like, mark my word. I actually worked two internships before that. But I'm before CIBC, but I'm not going to discuss that because that's in the, that's in the real realm of finance. But okay. like, but like, yeah, but like, I, I, so like, I've I'm, I've worked like almost five internships right now. So like, I I love working, as you can see, like, I love yeah. working and I, and I love learning. And I'll, I'll get into like why I do that like later if, if you want. Gotcha, gotcha. Your internships, interestingly, have all been like four months, four months, four months, four months, four months, and now. At Cognitive Systems Corps, you're on month number three. <laughs> so, <laughs> are we going to see the same pattern? Are you going to like be four months, uh, or do you think you're staying longer? Uh, I'm going to stay for four months. I I generally have a rule where I will only be at a company for four months as an internship, and the reason why that is is because I figure the vast majority of the things that you could learn happens in the first four months of a company, right? Wow. So like learning, so learning like about the company culture learning about what I want to do, learning about like, like what they use, whatnot. And I feel like to kind of uh, broaden your horizons is the best approach you can kind of un- undertake when you're in the learning process, right? Because like, not only are you learning about uh, what technologies you, uh, what companies use data science for, but you're also learning about what you believe is good company culture and where you kind of fit into this whole economic system. So uh, uh, that's why I kind of jump from company to company because I'm trying to find my niche. I'm trying to find what I really want to do, I guess. Interesting. Um, that, is, that is incredible. That is like one of the most audacious and at the same time valuable pieces of advice I've heard in this podcast in terms of building your career, starting your career. So it's not just like a coincidental thing 
it's by design that you're doing these internships and you're not actually seeking a full-time job right now. You're looking for, you know, all this experience. Is that right? Yeah, well, I, I'm still in school and I've yeah. kind of del- delayed school to uh, to undertake this. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think it stems from uh, like some form of imposter syndrome where I feel yeah. like, I feel like, how do I know when I know enough, right? Yeah. Because I only entered this field in February of 2019. That isn't a long time, right? Yeah. I definitely don't know like everything and everything there is uh, there is to know about the field. So the question that I'm trying to understand is, when do I know that I'm good enough for the full-time part, <laughs> right? Okay, interesting. So, uh, so uh, that, that's another component of me jumping around, I guess. Gotcha. Have you heard of the 37% rule? I have not. What is that? It's like a mathematical solution to how many people you need to date uh, or how many people you need to like not settle down with before you actually start considering whom you will you know mar- get married with and basically i will include it in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out uh it states that in order to um get a statistically significant sample and like make a right choice about who you're going to uh settle down with you need to take uh, the total number of people you think you can potentially date in your life and the th- first so let's say it's 100 hypothetically right uh, then the first 37% of them, in this case, 37 people, you definitely cannot settle down with because then, then you're going to, you got to have a too high a chance of missing out on the right person. You know, you don't have enough. So you pretty much you're doing the same thing. So you need to like calculate what's the maximum number of jobs I can pr- have in my life and take 37% of that and discard the first 37%. Exactly. And, and it's tough to do when you're, when, when the horizons are so broad. Like, for yeah. example, cause like I wanted, to, I wanted to do equity analysis and now I'm going to do this analysis. And like, now I'm very interested in consulting. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like maybe at, uh, at Deloitte or something or whatnot. So that, that's all very interesting to me. And, uh, it, it kind of feels like, uh, there's only so much you can do uh, in so little time. So I, I kind of have to pick my next opportunities very intelligently to try to like, uh, cast as wide of a net as possible in my like intellectual journey. Right. So I, okay, I have to sure. see. I have to see what companies kind of fulfill multiple buckets uh, that I want to go through next, right? So okay, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's my process. Here's a question for you. So not only the horizons are broad, but also the field is changing all the time. And you you said like, how do I know that I don't know everything about the field right now? I need more, you know, internships, more experiences. But the problem I see with this is that uh, you will yes, like you by more internships, you'll get to feel know the field more. But, you know, let's say your next internships are going to be like reinforcement learning and then um, RPA and then, I don't know, some some are more NLP. By the time you do those internships, the field of CNN would have moved forward and now you have to do another one in CNN. So, like, where's where's the end with this? Like, because the field is growing all the time. That is a fantastic question. Uh, what I have to reconcile eventually is that I am good enough. And that's <laughs> that's the thing, because... Uh, in the back, in the back of my head, like I know that you you hire a data scientist not because they know something, but because they have the potential to know something. Because the field mm-hmm. changes so fast, right? This is a constantly changing field. All of my jobs that I have been called data science, I've done radically different things at. So uh, the uh, the actual like field is changing. Therefore, the field uh, wants people who can learn to adapt to that change and thrive off it. So uh, I, I guess like. Even though uh, I uh, I'm on this journey right now, 
the journey ends when I come to the conclusion that I am in fact good enough. And what and when that comes along, I don't know. But mm-hmm. uh, in order for me to like you know graduate, I have to understand that within myself. So I have to do a bit of soul searching, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then once I once I truly believe in myself, then I'll like enter full time market and like then we'll see. So that's when it stops. I guess. What do you say to psychologists that would tell you right now, right here, that you are good enough, that everybody's good enough just because we're a human, regardless of our backgrounds and experiences and insecurities, we're all good enough. Why why are you, why do you not stop right now? Uh do you mean like intrinsically by virtue of being a human being? Yeah. Uh I mean, yeah, you know what? Like I, I see that, but like, you know, like we we live in a system where you have the the you know the the beauty of choice, I guess, right? So, like, I can believe I'm good enough. Like, I can, I can definitely say that. Hey, like, by virtue of being a human being, I am good enough to, like, if I'm framing this correctly, uh, I am good enough to, uh, like, even with a high school diploma, right, mm-hmm. or something. But you don't afford one. Yeah, exactly. But and and that's true. Like, like you can probably like do this job with, uh, do some jobs in data science without like a lot of significant like education within it within at a university. However, like uh, uh, even though that could be the case, what I would say is that uh, I do not know how other companies, th- how companies think, right? Because I am not a corporation. I'm a, per- mm-hmm. I- I'm a person. So I cannot leave it up. Uh, like if the other person across, who's sitting across the interview table from me is uh, also thinks that, then boom, that's awesome. Maybe I have a chance, right? Mm-hmm. But this is such a media like filled field. Like, like, like everyone is obsessed with machine learning. People think it's like amazing and whatnot. And it is, but like it, uh, but the uh, media, the mediaization of machine learning and artificial intelligence, especially as, as visible because it's so visible with companies like Facebook and Amazon and whatnot. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's the case that I cannot leave my employment and my future career to chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, uh, to say that, hey, I-, I can't assume that the person sitting across from me thinks that as well, even though I genuinely do believe that. Like, it's all about intrinsic knowledge and whatnot. And by virtue of being a human being, like, there you go. Like, you can probably do it. Uh, what I would say to a psychologist is that I cannot leave my career up to chance, and I try mm-hmm. and I try to limit the luck factor as much as possible because gotcha. I, because gotcha. I do not know how my interviewer thinks mm-hmm. and therefore i have to like ad- therefore i have to uh you know kind of like make sure that uh, to, kind of, to kind of like persuade them that i'm already a finished product yeah gotcha. so gotcha. so that's what i would say to that like you, you gotcha. can be you can be right but yeah. something but something that but but like th- th- it doesn't mean that it's right in every context right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's what i think about that gotcha interesting um so, um, some might say that rather than limiting the luck factor, check this out. There's a definition of luck as the when opportunity meets preparation, right? Opportunities come along, but if you're not prepared, but well, no luck. So some might actually say you're maximizing the luck factor by preparing and doing all these internships, going through all these different um, parts of data science, different fields in data science. So when the right opportunity comes along, you are prepared. Okay, so I'll rephrase what I said before, but when I mean luck, I mean random chance, right? Random chance, go ahead. So, so I, I totally agree with you that you know, like luck is an, is, is is by design, right? Like mm-hmm. I was uh, like I had to put myself in a position to be quote unquote lucky, 
right? Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. because the thing is, my job right now at Cognitive, uh, my job right now at Cognitive, I got through an opportunity like uh, that would be considered lucky. Like I, I got mm -hmm. it through, because the thing is, I actually lost my uh, other internship that I was supposed to do uh, because of the Corona pandemic. I was supposed mm -hmm. to be an equity analyst at a hedge fund, right? Mm -hmm. But that, 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 that fell through because, uh, because of Corona and uh, I had to like scramble to get a job. And, uh, and in my networking, uh, one of the people who I knew for over a year and a half, like I reached out to him and then this is how I got the job I have now, right? Mm -hmm. So like, but the thing is, I wouldn't have had that opportunity if I didn't know what I was talking about from working at Intact and CIBC. And mm -hmm. I would have never have met him if I didn't actively network beforehand, right? Yep. So like, uh, I, de I definitely am a big believer in uh, putting yourself in a position to be lucky. Uh, but like, before, I guess before I meant like, I, I don't want to chalk up my career to random chance, right? So that's what I'll say about, I'll say about that. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, so right now, you before you put the podcast, you told me your dream is to break into the field of fundamental machine learning research in corporations, uh, the likes of Facebook AI, Google Brain, DeepMind, and so on. Um, tell us, like, is that a dream or a goal? So difference being a dream is something you don't have a timeline on, and a goal is something that you have a timeline on. It's a goal. It's a goal. I have, uh, I have like, like I have dreams, but like they have nothing to do with my, with my career. I don't dream about a career, uh, mm -hmm. but like I, it is a goal. I, I, I would consider it a goal. Yeah, like I, there's definitely like a, a horizon. I would definitely describe it as a goal. Yeah. What steps are you taking towards this goal? Uh, understanding what it takes to kind of get there, and understanding the different paths to get there. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like, and I do that through uh, networking, and mm -hmm. I, I, I do that through uh, reading like what people have like uh, experienced online. I read a lot of blogs, uh, and uh, I upskill. I try to upskill myself to try to match that profile. Right. So mm -hmm. I, I have a fun, I obtain a fundamental understanding of what the job generally generally looks for. I try mm -hmm. to match up to that criteria, and then I try to kind of like once again maximize my luck by expanding the opportunities I can get through networking and applying to jobs. So that's kind of the steps I'm taking right now to enter that space. Gotcha. We're going to talk about networking just now. Uh, I want to make uh, like a, a plug for you, man, because I believe that talented, driven people who have like a vision and somewhere they're going deserve to get to where they're going. So if anybody listening to this is in the space of fundamental ML research in Facebook AI, Google Brain, Uber, DeepMind, any Twitter, Cortex, whatever it is, and or you know somebody there, or you work there, you know a manager there, um, send them this podcast. Send them this podcast, tell them about Josh, and let's help Josh get to his goal faster. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> man, my pleasure, my pleasure. But let's talk about networking. So you've mentioned networking a couple times. Why is this such an important component of your career development? Awesome. So, uh, so from, from a per, from a personal experience, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk about my own personal experience, and then I'll talk about why it's important in uh, in the mm -hmm. grand scheme of things. So, uh, number one, so my, my personal experience in in networking is I come I, I come I used to want to do finance, and in business school, uh, networking is huge, right? Mm -hmm. So you learn you learn the tricks and you learn the tips and. You get a lot of experience just talking to people, 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and you, you do all these things. And I networked a ton to get into mm-hmm. the, uh, to, to, to get into the, uh, uh, to try to get to break into industry, to learn about the, to learn about the space. Uh, but in my time uh, in networking, I re- my error when I was entering finance is that I kind of had a short-term approach where I kind of expected a job right away. And that mm-hmm. comes from an ignorance of not understanding what networking is. So uh, uh, networking, now that I'm a bit older, I understand that networking is, you know, like is a, uh, is a full like ex- is a full experience that goes across many many years, right? Or mm-hmm. or can have like, like building these relationships and whatnot, and, mm-hmm. and 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 building relationships that are like strong and that are like and, and that are real and that are not that are not immaterial. And what mm-hmm. I mean by immaterial is that it's not like I'm it's not like I'm talking to you only because I want a job, right? I, I mm-hmm. want to talk to you because I want to learn from you and I want to get like and maybe you can learn from me. And maybe we can share information and maybe we can help each other. And mm-hmm. eventually could be maybe if the opportunity ever arises, then I can get a job that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where I'm do- adopting kind of right now. And uh, now that I'm like kind of outside of the finance space, I kind of get a bad taste in my mouth whenever I hear networking because uh, people who don't understand it will be like, OK, I want to use this to get a job right away. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. when you when you do that, you you don't, you don't see a person as a person, you see them as a means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. Which, is a, which is a very inhuman thing to do. It totally mm-hmm. lacks any sort of compassion and human and, emotion. And people pick up on that, right? People have perfect BS meters, right? Or sensors. like They do. They really do. They, have, they can smell it a mile away, especially mm-hmm. when you're a kid coming out of university who doesn't know, <laughs> who doesn't know how to talk at all, right? Like, yeah. cause like, like, this is a whole different game. university, you know, from high school is a whole different game, right? Now you're no longer dealing with your peer group. You're dealing, you're, you're venturing outside of your peer group to people who are more savvy than you are, right? You think yeah. you're so smart in high school, but like when you enter university and expand your horizons, you realize that you're not as smart as you think you are. No, you're not. Like, uh, yeah. you, uh, you, you've just left your bubble, right? So, uh, uh, so what's your trick? What's, what's your, what's your solution? Like, no, I don't want to say trick or tip, but like, how do you network in a way that's genuine? Uh, you don't think about networking at all. Mm. So you you try, I mean, of course, in the back of your mind, but like when you're talking to someone, you talk to someone like, uh, like you know, because you, genu- you are genuinely interested in what they do and what the experiences that they have, right? Mm-hmm. You're not talking to them because you want a job again. You're talking to them because they're willing to share their human experiences and perspectives mm-hmm. with you and you are interested in that, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to take a blanket approach to networking, like, like firing off LinkedIn's like all the time, then chances are you wouldn't really be interested. You, you wouldn't be interested in every single person you're talking to, only the company they're at. And they can tell if you're not interested in what they're doing. So when I try to talk to someone, I talk to people who I'm genuinely interested in talking to. Uh, another thing is that like I try to, uh, like uh, another thing with networking, is that you want to be a good listener. So the, the reason why you network is because you want to listen to the perspectives of someone else. However, in your feeble attempt to get a job right there and then, you, would, you will talk about all of your cool stuff mm-hmm. and, and all of your cool experiences. And they may be good, like they may be very strong experiences. However, you are not there to talk about yourself. You're there to listen. Or, or you will listen 
but you won't hear them because all your your you know like reticular activating system in your brain is searching for opportunities to like oh can that serve me can that help me get a job or whatever else so you like you're focusing on the wrong things in the words that they're saying and that's not going to lead to anything exactly so like when when they're talking to you you're thinking about the next thing to say as opposed mm -hmm. to thinking about what they're saying however uh that's kind of intuitive because uh if you listen to what they say you become an active listener right and Absolutely, then yeah. and then and you and you uh get to have a more engaging conversation by having th that by, by uh by bouncing off of what they've said to you and then you become more genuine in a way. Uh, the, the, what I try to do now as a networker, as someone who's networking, is dismantle the notion that, that, is, that I am a parasite, right? Yeah. That is the way I'm trying, because immediately when you're networking, you have your guard, like, like if someone asks, if some kid asks to talk to you, you're probably gonna have your guard up. Be like, what, is the, what does this kid want, right? Yeah. Or, or you know, oh, I know exactly what this kid wants. And I'm just going to play with him for a bit just to see what he's about, right? Tell me, how do you do that? How do you dismantle that notion that you're a parasite? Yeah, so uh, 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 how you, I would do that is by being a genuine person. Because genuine, because you can still, be, technically speaking, not to be cynical or anything, but yeah. you, could, you could still absolutely be a parasite if you're, and be genuine, right? Mm -hmm. like, like you can be a genuine parasite, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so there's that. But I, uh, I, try to be, I try to be as genuine as possible because I'm genuinely interested in their story. But like, tell me, so let's say you met some, you said you met some people at Data Science Go Virtual, you only spoke to them for three minutes, you exchanged contact details. What's the next step? Like, how, how, like indeed, everybody is interesting. That's the, that's the foundation that is important to understand. Everybody inside is interesting. They have something cool to share, right? So, but how do you approach them afterwards to actually learn what they have to share. What do you say to them? I say to them, hey, uh, I really liked their conversation at Data Science about Virtual, even though I, it was three minutes long and that's regrettable. I want to continue that conversation more because I'm very interested in what you're about, right? That's how it Question. is. Like, like continuing, the, the, continuing the conversation. That's what you want to do. You want to continue the conversation. So uh, uh, people who I talked to from Data Science Go were willing to continue that conversation with me and we just talk about like things that uh that enters us and mm -hmm. that's how these genuine like interactions happen uh i, I kind of like uh, whenever i talk about this i kind of th i kind of think about okay how did you meet your friends right like like mm -hmm. uh, when you think about that uh you don't really or, or like how do you make friends right and, and mm -hmm. when people when i ask this people think about hey like, like how did i meet my friends did i deliberately try to go out <laughs> of my way uh, did I have like some sort of robotic approach? Like, okay, step one, talk to them. Step two, do this, right? And they said, no, 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 no. They just happened to be your friend, right? They just happened yeah. to met them in some artificial environment space, like school or work or 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 uh, or uh, university or not. And then uh, by virtue of talking to each other and sharing civil interests, then there you go, your friends now, right? And yeah. that's how it is in networking. But you 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 just go in with like the maybe approach that you could get something out of this, but you, you have to go in like a genuine person, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, so, so uh, on a applied basis or what, uh, uh, something that's more applied, I would say, okay, well, once you met them for the first time with some like medium in which to do that, which one of them would be data science virtual, uh, then you would ask to continue the conversation leader. And when you're doing that, and when you're actually doing that, uh, you want to try to be like, yes, be genuine, 
But if you're gen, if you're gen, like, like yes, if you're genuinely like not amazing at social mores, like like your your goal is to be likable, right? Mm-hmm. Like your goal is not to impress. Your goal is to be likable. Your goal is to be a human being. Your goal is to be someone who uh, they can sit on like, like they can like wait on an airplane. Like, like let's say like you're in, in an airplane terminal and the and the, the uh, airplane is coming in like five hours, right? Mm-hmm. Your your goal is to be able to talk uh, to be able for them to say, "Hey, I can talk to this guy for like five hours at this airplane terminal waiting for an airplane." Right? Mm-hmm. That's what you want to try to do. Gotcha. Have you read uh, "How to Win Friends and Influence People" by by Dale Carnegie? I have the book. I have not read it yet. It's regrettable. Yeah, they gotta read it. And like, I recommend I recommend to everybody. Like the things you're saying right now, it's it's uh, it's a matter of like experience and knowing how to talk some for some people it comes naturally for me for instance i'm not naturally like i'm more robotic naturally i'm more introverted and so on and so uh this book really outlines how to be an active listener how to listen to people how to respect people how to uh like how to be curious in a genuine way about what people have to say um fantastic book recommend for everybody to check it out like ties in very well with the things you're talking about in podcast and even reading like the first three chapters, you're already going to get so much value. You're going to like, it'll be like night and day uh, in terms of your ability to do exactly what you're saying. Hmm. And so that's my personal experience. And I guess this, the second reason why I would consider that important. And, yeah, and I agree with the book. The book is a fantastic book and I, I have to read it. Like, I'll read it soon for sure. But uh, I guess the second reason why everything is important is because you never know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like you never, mm-hmm. you never know, right? The, uh, like, we have this corona pandemic happen, boom, there you go. Like it came out of nowhere, right? Like if you're an average person, coronavirus came out of nowhere and suddenly mm-hmm. you're stuck in your house for like 18 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. so so uh uh, uh networking like would, would help like if you lose your job or something, uh like now you have a way to kind of occupy your time or like mm-hmm. different channels in which you could get a job again, right? Because you never know, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I've had someone describe networking to me as a, a, like, like planting a seed, planting seeds to event, and growing a relationship, I guess, and eventually picking the fruit later, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's important for your professional career, number one, because uh, you never know what's going to happen in, in your career. Like something mm-hmm. totally happened could arise that results in you losing your job and someone yeah. could like help you like later. And number two, because it's important to know what people, what other people in your space are doing and are and are and are like uh, learning right now because you have to like in, especially in the field of data science you have to be constantly learning so uh, to, to get an understanding of what your peers are doing in the space is fantastic it's phenomenal mm-hmm. so that's absolutely. that's kind of, that's kind of why networking is important absolutely absolutely and you never know like maybe you will help someone you know you're networking with someone and so on and then they lose their job and you know somebody at your university or somewhere else and you can connect people. There's also this element of giving back, you know, like if you go into it with, hey, even though I might not have all the experience in the world, I might not be able to get people, I don't have a company to hire people into right now, I still, you know, might be able to help people this way. And once you have this attitude, like you, what do you bring to the table? How can you help people? And that potential for that potential for it is there. Uh, it, I think it also adds to the um, element that you're not just doing it only for selfish reasons. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Josh, It's it's been a blast. Like, I can't believe it's already been 
15 minutes that we've been chatting. <laughs> so many more things I wanted to talk about, but oh, it's it's been amazing. Um, I think we got to start wrapping up. It definitely, we should have like a follow-up episode, maybe sometime like in a year or two when you've done another 20 internship. <laughs> uh, Absolutely, yeah. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you like, um, among all the things we've talked about, maybe there's something burning that uh, like a burning piece of advice that you want to share with people that we just didn't have time to cover. There's plenty of other stuff I wanted to ask you about, but nevertheless, what's the, the one extra thing you'd like to share with people out there who are in a similar position to you, who are breaking into this field of data science, who have a dream, who have a vision, um, and you know, are, are excited about the field? What would you say to them? Got it. You have to be gritty. You have to be gritty. You, like, like the, the job market is a tough beast. It's, mm. It's very frustrating. I, and uh, from a student's perspective, like I, I only speak from the perspective of myself and as, as, a, as a student as well, uh, you have to understand that if you don't get a job right away, it's, not, it's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. You move on and you keep trying. You keep trying. You have to keep trying. It's something that, uh, that I really resonate with because I was unable to kind of break into the equity analysis space, right? And, uh, and even, and like, even though I shifted gears and I pivoted, like, uh, to this field, I still have an understanding of this notion of grittiness because, uh, like, especially when you're a young kid, you believe that you've lived a long time, right? Mm -hmm. You believe that you, that you know, things or something, but no, you, you really have not, you're, you're just forming your career. You're forming your career and you want to, uh, learn as much as possible. And you, you have to really understand that. Okay, this is like even though I can't get a job right now, it's not the end of the world. You have to keep, you have to you have to keep going in a direction that eventually gets you a job, whether that be within the form of self learning, whether that be in the form of like getting an education, whether that be in the form of networking, whether that be in the form of like uh, building up your portfolio. These are all the, these, these, are, these are things that you have to keep doing. And uh, the reason why it's important to be gritty is because getting re rejected is the worst feeling. It's it's horrible. Like we, we hate getting rejected. So, uh, and, and it, 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 it could seem like uh, when you're getting rejected from these companies that, hey, is this endeavor even worth pursuing? And, uh, and what I say is you never know till you try, right? So keep trying, keep being gritty and, and understand that uh, even though you might not be in data science now, you could be in it someday, right? And of course, you have to keep evaluating what options are good and what options are bad and whatnot. But if you're truly dead set on this field, that this new field of data science, I truly believe that you have to like have the wherewithal to uh, uh, to like keep going at it. And if you are truly passionate, and that truth, like if you were very passionate about the field anyway, you would have no problem continuing to expand your horizons and learn more about the field. So you would already be doing that. Uh, so uh, uh, keep your head up, uh, uh, be gritty, and understand that even though you are not working in data science now, it can definitely happen for you. So that's what I would say. I love it, Josh. Totally love it. I feel the passion, feel the energy. I'm sure our listeners feel it too. Man, thank you so much for coming. What, uh, before you go, where are the best places to find you, connect with you, and for people to network with you? Yeah, so my name is Josh Hortaleza on LinkedIn. Uh, so that yeah, so uh, uh, Josh and then like my, my last name H O R T A L E Z A. Uh, you can reach me through LinkedIn primarily. Uh, 
And that's, that's probably the best channel to reach me at. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think Pleasure. that's, yeah, that's how I would recommend it. Awesome. Awesome. We'll include that in the show notes as well. And the one final question, what's a book you can recommend to our listeners? So I would recommend the book Deep Learning by Aaron Corville, Ian Goodfellow, and Yasha Bengio. The reason why I recommend this book is because this book helped me a lot at my internship at Intact. Uh, it really had me, uh, you know, I was really able to make me understand uh, neural networks at a very like high level, as well as uh, go into the greedier details about, or the, uh, the more fine details about like how to improve, how to select like parameters and whatnot, and uh, how to kind of like optimize uh, different aspects of the uh, neural network. And so from a practitioner's perspective, not to call myself a deep practitioner, but like, it definitely did help me out when I was kind of stuck learning what deep learning actually was. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so that book was incredibly helpful to me as a, uh, as a data scientist, for sure. Gotcha. Uh, it's also available for free if anybody's interested, deeplearningbook.org. Or if you want to support the authors, you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, just look for Deep Learning, Yosho Benjo. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Josh. It's been a huge pleasure to have you on the show. Really appreciate your time and good luck with your epic journey. You're going to go very cool places, man. Thank you very much for having me. I really do appreciate this. And I hope that we can stay in contact. How amazing was that? How do you feel? I feel super pumped. This part, we finished recording this podcast 30 minutes ago and I still feel the energy. I feel like I need to go for a run or something like that. I have so much inspiration. So I hope you got as much value out of this. My personal favorite part was, and the most surprising part for me was that Josh at 22 years old is designing his career, even his own, his internships by design are four months long. Like, I'm sure he has had opportunities to stay longer or look for uh, for full-time jobs and things like that. But he, by design, just look at his LinkedIn, four months every single time. His internships by design are four months long. That is a true testament to a vision and a the thorough follow through on that vision. Nothing is going to stop this person. He is going to get to where he's going. And it's a great example to follow, a great, a great inspiring example. Um, if you want to build a great career, design it and follow through on your vision, on your strategy. Amazing. Loved it. As always, you can find the show notes at spiritessence.com slash 389. Uh, connect with Josh. Make sure to hit him up, network, ask him questions. He's sure he's going to be happy to answer them. Um, if you're in the spe space of fundamental machine learning research uh, in Canada, in the US, in the UK, wherever, in companies like Facebook, AI, Google Brain, Uber, uh, and so on, hit Josh up. He'd love to get in touch and get an opportunity to be uh, in that space. And as you can see, he's going to add a lot of value. He's going to be the person. He's, gonna, he's a go-getter. All right. And in addition to that, please share this episode. If you know somebody who is like super excited about data science, doesn't know how to break into the field, maybe is a bit scared, maybe is a bit like unsure that they can do it, send them this episode. Super inspiring, super energized. You might change somebody's life very easy to share. Send them the link superdatascience.com slash 389. 
And one final thing, Data Science Go Virtual coming up this October, number two. We're gonna have, uh, like last time we had two and a half thousand people, this time we're probably gonna have, we're aiming for 4,000 plus. So make sure to be there, it's free. Just go to datasciencego.com slash virtual, sign up, sign your friends up, <laughs> get, <laughs> sign your whole family up. Of course, you, you need to fill in the survey, uh, sorry, you need to fill in an application form uh, because we want to make sure the right people are there so we network, so we're able to network with each other. So fill in that form, get yourself there and meet amazing people like Josh and add them to your network. Now you have the tips the ways to network, read the book by Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people, turn up, show up, and take your career to the next level. Data Science Go Virtual this October, can't wait to see you there. And until next time, happy analyzing.